I can see myself, it's a golden sunrise. Young boy, open up your eyes, it's supposed to be your day. Now off you go, horizon bound. You won't stop until you found your own kind of way. And the wind will whip your tousled hair, the sun, the rain, the sweet despair. Brave tales of love and strife Somewhere on your path to glory You will write your story of a life And all the towns that you walk through And all the people that you talk to Sing you their songs there are times you change your stride There are times you can't decide Still you go on And then the young girls dance their gypsy tunes And share the secrets of the moon So soon you find a wife And though she sees your dreams go poorly Still she joins your story of a lie Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but today you have downloaded a new kind of episode. That's right. You just think this is your normal Set Lusting Bruce. Uh, today is a pilot that based on feedback from you the audience may be a continued series uh, kind of a spin-off of SLB um, we are going to well I'm gonna hold off the name but instead <laughs> I'm gonna introduce my cohort and my co-pilot today Terry how are you I'm great Jesse thank you so for those of you who uh, may have missed your earlier guest spot on Set Lusting Bruce. Tell people a little about you. Okay, so I'm, as you can hear from the accent, I'm a Brit. Uh, I currently live in Seattle and have for the last seven years with my wife, Laura. Uh, I say currently because uh, we are literally in the process of moving back to the UK, about a 10, day, uh, 10 days away from moving. So, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the big thing in our life. And I've been a music fan, came from, born in Liverpool originally, been a music fan all my life. Um, I'm a massive Bruce fan, but I do have albums from 800 other artists. So, uh, yeah, and really looking forward to having this uh, having this chat. Yeah, so am I. And so when Terry was on and um, a few weeks ago, um, we had a great discussion. It was great talking to him. And at the very end... He said, hey, do you have just a minute? And I said, sure, what's going on? And he said, how did you get into this? And I started telling him the story because I'm comfortable telling anyone the story. <laughs> and um, Terry told a story. And so I'm going to kind of leave it there. That's the setup. So go ahead and talk about this tradition you've started at your home. Okay, so uh... – yeah, I um, I guess the other bit of background I didn't mention uh, in the intro is that 12 months ago, I was lucky enough to uh, retire after uh, 38 years in IT. 
Um, and that was a big thing. And music is a big part of my life. But obviously, it gave me it gave me time to do things I hadn't done before. And also, I was very I was very keen to keep obviously a lot of the contacts and and social side of of the job that I really enjoyed. And music is a passion. Also, hi-fi is a passion uh, and has been for many years. So I'd had a number of friends. Uh, typically, they've been around for dinner, you know, and you get five minutes to listen to the the top end hi-fi really playing. And people had said, you know, it'd be great to come around and have a few hours and really listen to some music. So um, I uh, I think it was actually a friend of mine, um, the Cheryl Crow, Cheryl Crow album, Tuesday Night Music Club. And it was like, you should just start a music club. So uh, I invited a few just one on one. A couple of friends who said they were interested in listening to some music, listening to this hi-fi. And I invited them around. And basically the setup was, one, it was the middle of summer. So, you know, a couple of beers in the garden, listen to some music. I'll cook some food uh, and we'll have a good evening. And those first few, even though I say it myself, yeah, they, they were great fun. But if I'm honest, the thing I realized was for far too much of the evening, it consisted of me playing the first 45 or 60 seconds of a track I'd chosen shouting at them over the loud music doesn't that sound fantastic and then playing something else so um and all of my ideas at microsoft and everything there is a is a program and that so i thought i need a format and i know and i'm sure you have this jesse when people say what's your favorite bruce song and you know questions like that are always you know what's your favorite ever album but what i came up with was basically pick your favorite song depending on your age of the last i actually started with the last six decades and then a friend of mine said i was born in the 50s as in fact i was so why don't you do the 50s so the setup was just hey before you come round, send me through your favorite song doesn't have to be from your favorite artist doesn't have to be from your favorite album just what's the song that says to you this is the 60s this is the 90s uh, i'll stick that on a playlist and then when you arrive, we'll listen to that uh, and it has to and also keep it to about 30 minutes. Um, we'll listen to that. And then while I go and cook, you can listen to my playlist. Um, and I started doing that. And I have to say it worked. And people did all sorts of creative things with it. One of the last um, sessions I did with a friend of mine, Chris, uh, his two teenage kids also did their list, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> Um, you know, other people sent me their long list of songs they'd chosen from. So, um, yeah, it worked out to be uh, worked out to be really good fun. And am I, I, should I now say the name that was given yes, to it? Yes, please do. So um, a British friend of mine, Dan, who also did it, and uh, he turned up and he said, well, you need the name. Um, and he came up with Tea Time with Terry, which I thought was suitably quaint and English and British. So, uh that's what uh, that's what we've been running with for the last six months or so. So that's the story. And I just think that is such a fun um, exercise. And, you know, in the spirit of talking about Britain, um, Neil Gaiman, a brilliant writer, talked about that the worst thing you can do for him is to call him and say, Hey, Neil, I'm doing a collection of short stories. I'd love you to contribute. You can do anything you want. And he says that just baffles him. But if you say, hey, Neil, 
I'm doing a short story. I'm doing a collection of short stories about angels. Um, and I'd really like something maybe as a cat as an angel. Then he works. Interesting. And yeah. so I think instead of saying I, – I love the idea that you go, okay, not give me some songs you think will sound good on my system, but you give us a little parameter. Okay. So I thought that for fun, Terry and I will go through our decades of songs. Uh, we both were born in the 50s. So we're gonna we have seven songs to go. We're gonna go through each decade one at a time. We'll add a little snippet post production of the songs, and then if people like it, um, the thought is we would invite other guests to join us, and they would share their five, six, three songs with us depending on their age, right? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Because um, I think this is a different – it is such a fun way to talk about music. Um, so do, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What, what do you suggest? I'm, I'm happy to go first. I'm okay. happy to go first. Okay. So, now, uh, let's, 
Sorry, Bill. Did you have any – because I tend to, as you talk about a process, um, I made myself some rules. So do you have any rules on your seven songs? Um, the only uh, – I guess for me, what I was trying to uh, – when I went through mine – and by the way, I've constantly changed mine over a number of months. I've now got to a list that is, that is absolutely solid. But for me, it has to be something that – when I hear that music, it 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 takes me back or it reminds me of that time. And it's not true of every selection, but also quite a lot of them uh, are of that decade. You know, uh, there are a couple of artists who span multiple. But for me, it's something that just says when you when you hear that one, <laughs> you get a reaction. But two, do you think that's the 80s? You know, is that's the noughties, whatever. So that that was really the only the only parameter for me. I said, one, there could not be a duplicate. You had to have a different artist for each song. Yeah. Because someone made the joke, well, you just picked eight songs from Bruce Springsteen. And I said, (laughs) no, no. Um, So that that was my first rule. It had to be a different artist for each decade. Two – um, I said that I want songs – I want to tell a story with my songs, and so as I tell them, hopefully you will see um, this is kind of a a musical biography is how I ended up going. Okay. So, all right. You cool. go first, my friend. I'm going to make right. notes so that um, – when I go and do searching, I will know which songs. Okay. So uh, all the way back to the 50s. Um, and for this, and I'm sure it won't be the only um, Bruce connection in the, in this discussion, Jesse, but um, you will know, and I'm sure uh, listeners will know, that you know a lot of American artists, including Bruce, talk about the influence uh, that seeing Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show had, you know, this iconic moment when the world changed. Well, the British equivalent of that and I wouldn't suggest it was quite the seismic shift that Elvis uh, caused. But the British equivalent was uh, an artist called Cliff Richard. Uh, the show was Oh Boy, and this was August 1958. Uh, and he sings a song called Move It, um, which is just classic 50s sort of rock, rockabilly. Um, but one of the, I guess one of the things I, or one of the reasons I have a lot of affection for this is that uh, well, a couple of things. One, Cliff Richard is a massive artist, and I'll, well, was and still is in some areas a massive artist in the UK. Really didn't make it uh, in the US, and certainly later in his career, he became, you know, and he's now Sir Cliff Richard. Uh, he became a real middle of the road performer, uh, very clean cut Christian image. What used to be slightly disparagingly described as a housewife's favorite in in the UK, but in 1958 when he appeared on that show, you know, this man was dangerous stuff, um, and it really did get a reaction. Um, and you know, one of the things we're going to hopefully be able to do with this series is also point people at video clips. But go on, go onto YouTube and just search on Cliff Richard movie, and uh, I think it's it's a classic. And in terms of you know how significant he was in the UK, you look at his numbers. I mean, this man has well, he sold 260 million records worldwide. He's the second largest 
British artist after the Beatles. Uh, he had 130 entries in the UK top 20. So that's actually more than anyone. And 67 top 10 hits. So he's second only to Elvis. But the thing, you know, if you really want to understand his influence on British music, this is my favorite quote, which is John Lennon um, was interviewed mid 60s. And his quote was before Cliff and the Shadows, there was nothing worth listening to in British music. Wow. <laughs> and by the way, Hank Marvin, who was his guitarist in the Shadows, you talk, you know, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, all of those people will talk about what a massive influence that guy was as well. So uh, I suspect for a lot of Americans, a name certainly not well known, um, but really very seminal in kicking off the British music industry. I, I vaguely know the name. I think he's um, he's had a little bit of pop success maybe in yeah he had yeah. devil woman i think right in, in, and uh, we don't talk anymore in the 80s but um yeah. yeah he never he never really cracked america okay wow very nice uh let's play a little bit come on pretty baby let's move it and approve it a good start so i didn't talk about this before but i had one other rule terry i was born in 1959 so i limited my song selection to only songs created in 1959 uh, okay. <laughs> just because it seemed right that um the, 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 the sad news for me is that I comply with your rule because I was born in 57 and the movie <laughs> came out in 58. So. Okay. <laughs> I, like, I like that rule. I yeah. like that rule. So my first song is Mac the Knife, Bobby Darren. Yep. And the reason why is um, my mom loved country and Western music. But she also loved a lot of early pop. 
She loved Fats Domino. She loved Jerry Lee Lewis when he was still doing pop. Um, And she loved Bobby Darren. And so I picked back the knife for my mom. I, I do love that song. I think it is a song that is so much fun to hear and to sing along with. It, it pictures that him in a tux <laughs> and that kind of crooner feeling. Um, you know, it's a, um, a song that has a lot of weirdness to it. Um, you know, it's originally from an opera, a, a three-penny opera. And I so, did not know that. Yes, I did not know that. Oh, it was. Cool. So um, let's play a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll get – we'll untie our bow tie a little bit. We'll have the mic, and we'll play a little uh, Mac the Knife. That's nice. Three. Oh, the shark, baby, has such deep teeth and shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Mac Heath, babe, and it keeps it mm-hmm, out of sight. You know when that shark bites with his teeth, baby, scarlet billows start to spread. Fancy gloves, though, wears old Mac Heath, babe, so there's never Never a trace of red now I let that naked on the sidewalk huh? Ooh, Sunday morning uh-huh. Lies a body Ooh, them light Someone sneaking Round the corner Could that someone be Old Mac the Knight That's a tugboat huh? Down by the river Don't you know Where's the men Okay, we now move to the 60s. Yes, yes. so, um, yeah, I, um, well, I, let me start, I'll, this time I'll, I'll say what I've chosen and then let me talk about why. So my choice is uh, All Along the Watchtower, uh, the Dylan song, but the Hendrix version. Um, and a whole raft of reasons for choosing this. Um, you know, I said before about songs that represent decades and when I think the 60s, yeah, if I was to choose one word, it'd be change. And, you know, I will always, I will always go back to the Beatles. And, um, I don't know if you remember when the, the, the first greatest hits, which the, the red and blue albums and, um, they had the two cover shots and I can never remember which way it ran, but one of them had the cover shot from the first album, please, please me. And the second one had exactly the same shot, but seven years later. And they've gone from, as you said, you know, the Italian suits and the clean cut image to long hair and beards. And you think about that, that seven years, it was just such a massive, massive change. Um, but, you know, well, I know from interviews, they'd be the first to say that lyrically, um, you know, Dylan probably did more than anyone to just break the mold of what was a song and uh, I always love that line. The, the, the famous Playboy interview he did where someone says, you know, people really want to know what your songs are, uh, what they're about. And he said, oh, I'm happy to tell you. And the guy's like, go on. He said, some are about three minutes long, some are about five minutes long, and some are about 11 minutes long. Um, you know, but he did he did write 11-minute songs. So I think him lyrically and then 
Hendrix in terms of the guitar and what you could do with a three-piece band. Uh, again, I think he just broke all the rules. So the two of them coming to you know, getting Dylan and Hendrix was always going to put it right up there. Um, the other thing for me is I love I love cover versions that actually reinterpret a song. And, you know, I think it's interesting that Dylan, apparently, all along the Watchtower is his most played song, but he probably plays it more in the style of Hendrix than, than he does in, in his own uh, original version. Um, other things is uh, I actually convinced my English teacher when I was 16, we had a big sort of poetry project to do, and I managed to convince her that I should do it on Bob Dylan's All Along the Watchtower rather than any of the English romantic poets. Um, I, I'd love to find that piece of work. I know it's long gone, but uh, I'd love to see, going back to our, our last podcast, what pretentious nonsense I wrote, but I'm, I'm sure it was fun. Um, and then finally, just talking about that change thing, and I, I mentioned before about videos, it's actually not a video of this song, but again, go onto YouTube and search on Hendrix on the Lulu show and this was 1969 this is BBC live television on a Saturday evening when half of literally 20 million people in the country are watching this Saturday night variety show and Hendrix is supposed to come on and he's supposed to do Voodoo Child he's supposed to do Hey Joe and he's then supposed to do a duet with Lulu who is a, who is a young Scottish singer who had just recorded the Bond theme and Jimmy was supposed to do a duet with her. If you watch the video, what happens is they get 30 seconds into Hey Joe and then he goes, I'm not going to play this rubbish anymore. And he does Sunshine of Your Love because Cream broke up the night before and they play for eight and a half minutes until the show ends. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so long, long answer, but I, uh, as I say, I think for me, the, the, the 60s will, you know, will always be this song. And again, back to your rules, I guess the other final thing I was looking for was that thing where you hear the opening of a song and your ears just prick up and you think, yes. And the start of this, when Hendrix does the is just brilliant, I think. So that's that's the 60s for me. All right, here we go.
Um, I always think of um, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. You know, they did. Uh, they they had um, playing that. Some of, they used some of the lyrics with the silence. Oh, of course they did. Of course they did. Yes. Yes. So I think yeah, great choice, great choice. Well, I'll tell you what. One of the final thing is I mentioned that Lulu uh, show. Um, she had her first number one in the UK at the age of sixteen with a cover of a song called "Shout," which ah, uh, <laughs> nice. I'm I'm liking your uh, Bruce connections. <laughs> So my version of the 60s is probably as far away from yours as we can imagine. Um, I picked Daddy Sang Bass for Johnny Cash for my dad. Oh. Um, he adored Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Hank Williams. Um, I'm only slightly joking that our butts would be in the couch watching the Johnny Cash um, TV show, um, or heaven help us. Um, and I also, I, I love the song of this that, um, you know, one of the lyrics is, you know, they would do, he would do in that deep Johnny Cash, daddy sing bass. And then, um, his lovely bride, June Carter would say, Mama sing tenor. Oh, and then they, me and my little brother would join right in there. Because singing seems to help a troubled soul. One of these days, and it won't be long, I'll rejoin them in a song. I'm going to join the family circle at the throne. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I always like I'm making not, you cry. That, that wasn't a groan. That was emotion. <laughs> yes. Um, the idea... and. And this is the same feeling I get when I listen to Mary's Place. Um, so, see, I can do this, too. When I hear Mary's Place from The Rising and they talk about, you know, we're out on the front porch, music playing loud, I, I picture that family together. We would have people when I was a kid, um, dad's service buddies, he was in the military, and a lot of his service buddies would come over and bring their guitars in the living room. And the smoke would be just thick as thieves yep. back then. And, um, you know, the the wives would be laughing and joking and the guys would be sitting there just smoking and picking and singing songs. And like, well, you do this one or how about this one? Brilliant. And there was such joy in that and togetherness so in honor of that my dad my number 60 the 60s decade is daddy sings bass from johnny cash here we go i remember when i was a lad times were hard there's a silver lining behind every cloud just poor people that's all we were trying to make a living out of black land We'd get together in a family circle singing loud. Daddy sang bass. Mama sang tenor. Me and little brother would join right in there. Cause singing seems to help a troubled soul. One of these days it won't be long. I'll rejoin them in a song. I'm gonna join the family circle at the throne. Oh no, the 
Mom sang to me. So now we move to the 70s. So the 70s. So uh, the decade I really discovered music. I bought my first. Uh, I bought my first two albums in 1970 uh, at the same. I literally at the same time. So that was uh, Led Zeppelin One uh, and After the Gold Rush. Um, I am sad enough. I, I love compiling lists. I'm the archetypal male. So. Quite a while ago, I did my um, pompously titled The Best Albums of Last Century. I then realized that 25 of the choices were released between 1970 and 75. So, you know, I always say to my son and I always say to when I'm talking to teenagers, be careful what you listen to between the ages of 14 and 19, because you're going to listen to it for the rest of your life. Um, So the 70s was a really difficult decade for me, but I decided, given um, those two purchases, it had to be um, a Led Zeppelin track. Um, I've actually, and this went back and forth, but I've chosen um, probably an untypical track in a way because um, it's one of the it's one of the softer tracks. Although one of the things I always loved about Zeppelin um, was that you know they were never the archetypal heavy metal band. They always had so many other things. Um, going on and we talked at the last podcast about the attraction of America so I've, I've chosen going to California um, and again as well as those connections the, the performance I've chosen is actually um, hopefully people may not be that, that aware of this it's from a BBC live concert uh, in January 1971 and it was 7 o'clock on a Sunday night because I can remember sitting in my bedroom listening to it when it was being broadcast and I was listening to it on we'd moved house about three months before and I'd gone up into the attic and I'd found (laughs) this old brown baker light radio uh, with like a 12 inch bass speaker on it and I brought it down and I put a new plug on it and I plugged it into the wall it had um, I can never remember whether you call them valves and we call them tubes but it had valves and tubes that glowed and this thing just came on and worked. Um, and a couple of weeks later, there's Led Zeppelin playing live on the BBC for an hour. Um, and the sort of follow on from that story was that radio. It ran for about nine months and then one of the valves went and I, I took it to a place in Birkenhead that I'd found that did valves. And I walked in and said to the guy, do you have a replacement for that? And he just looked at this thing and said, where did you get this? <laughs> Um, and it turned out that the valve had been made in 1934. Um, so this this radio had been sat there. And I actually still think the reason I spend far too much time and far too much money on hi-fi is finding that radio. Um, so I chose it from that show. It was also uh, played. Uh, I was I saw Zeppelin twice. The second time was on my 18th birthday, literally my actual 18th birthday. The bad news is for the first 45 minutes, they were really pretty ropey, but then they got better. Uh, So it was played at Earl's Court in 75. And again, you can see that on video. And would you believe I saw Robert Plant last week? Oh, nice. And having not seen him since Earl's Court 1975, uh, and he played going to California. (laughs) So um, it felt felt an appropriate choice. Yeah, that's kind of nice. All right, let's play that. 
smoked my stuff and drank all my wine. Made up my mind, make a new start, pour me California with an aching in my heart. Someone told me there's a girl out there with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair. Heights for Kate Bush with Kate, by Kate Bush for my wife. Um, when Lynn and I started dating, not only uh, did her one of her good friends, um, Rick Lisko, um, had turned them on to John Hyatt, and we discovered you know Hyatt I through Linda, but she adored Kate Bush and she adored. Um, those albums and she has continued to be a fan um, when she was lovely enough to let me go to New York to see Bruce on Broadway um, she said there's no one I would travel for and I said Kate Bush and she said yes mm. I would go to UK to see Kate Bush perform you're right I would you know, she's never seen her. So, um, you know, that unmistakable high voice, she never, similar to Cliff Richards, never had mainstream success here in the U.S. Uh, did the wonderful duet with Peter Gabriel a few, yes. you know, several years yeah. ago. So, which is just heartbreaking. Um, but Kate. Well, you know, you've just you've just Jesse summed up why I love talking about music because uh, you mentioned earlier Mary's Place, which happens to be my wife's favourite Bruce song. Uh, Nan was called Mary, and it evokes all of the same memories you talked about. You've also just mentioned the one artist my wife cannot stand. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Kate Kate Bush is banned in the house. She has a very short list of Kate Bush, Steely Dan, and Pat Metheny. Uh, I can't play while she's around. Anything else is fine. Um, but that just shows how people have different views on music. Exactly. And so you will have to 
when she listens to this podcast, which I hope she does, you'll say, okay, we're going to have to skip ahead 30 seconds. She'll skip. (laughs) Yeah, she'll hit skip. So um, very nice. Here we go. Um, We'll ask your lovely bride not to listen, but for the rest of us, here is Withering Heights. Okay, so um, I'll probably make myself unpopular with, I know, some friends who will at least do the dutiful thing and listen. Um, but I don't think the 80s was a great decade for music. Um, you know, there was there was still good stuff in there, but I think so much 80s um, just sounds so 80s and syndromes and all that. Um, and I guess when I was I was looking at this, you know, my reflection was today we have you know, all of the music in the world at our fingertips. I think that's the Sonos advert or whatever, but literally, you know, the ability to go onto Spotify or Tidal and just see stuff. And I personally think that's fantastic, but I do miss the sort of excitement when you would hear something on the radio and think, wow, what's that? And then you'd hear it maybe a couple of days later and, you know, suddenly you'd found this new song. Um, and the song I've chosen, uh, and it's funny, there's a Murray theme here, um, actually is a song called Murray's Prayer. It's by a band called Danny Wilson. Um, they're a Scottish band. Um, they, they actually released three albums, but it was only the first one that had any success. This is one of those songs that, you know, it almost refused to fail. So it was released, I think, twice. And then there was a there was a rate, there was a poll in one of the music magazines of the song that should have made it in 88. And it came out top and it got re-released and finally it was a success. But it's just one of those songs that even now, if I've got things on shuffle or I am listening to a radio and, you know, the, the opening line is everything is wonderful. Being here is heavenly. And it's just this beautiful, I don't know, three minutes, 43 seconds of, uh, I think it's fantastic pop. And whilst a lot of, as I say, 80s music, I think sounds so 80s, this for me has 
all of the positives of the 80s. And it's one of those songs that it doesn't matter what mood I'm in. If this comes on, then I've got a big smile on my face. I, I am not familiar with this one, so I am looking forward to hearing this. Yep. So I let's play a little bit. Everything is wonderful. And being here is heavenly. Every single day she says everything is free. I used to be so careless, as if I couldn't care less. Did I have to make this mess when I was Mary's prayer? Suddenly the heavens rolled, suddenly the rain came down, but suddenly it was washed away. The Mary that I knew, and so when you find somebody you keep, think of me and celebrate. Cause I made such a big mistake when I was Mary's prayer. So if I see Okay, very nice. I, um, my 80s, there is, for those of you who've been following along, um, talking about the 80s music was kind of the way, was the gateway to us getting Set Lusting Bruce. I had oh. to cover my favorite albums of the 80s for the 80s Overdrive um, podcast, and then we did a discussion with a couple of people discussing Bruce in the 80s and covered all his albums. Well, <clears throat> I'm not picking Bruce, <laughs> but I picked Brian Wilson's Love and Mercy, which came out in 88, his first true solo album. It is a song that um, speaks to me about... Um, wishing love and mercy on the world. Um, it is become iconic with him. Um, you know, he was talking about that supposedly he was playing what the world needs now and kind of worked into this own song. Um, certainly a, the title of the amazing movie made on his life. Um, and it's just, I've, I've heard, um, other people cover it. It's just a, it is how he ends his live shows now. Um, you know, and, uh, um, Bono once said, love and mercy is one of the great songs ever written. I can't think of a greater song to be sung than Brian Wilson singing love and mercy because in a way the two feelings that those terrorists sought to destroy. This is one for me. So Great here we choice. go. Love Great and mercy. Choice. I was sitting in a crummy movie with my hands on my chin. Oh, the violence that occurred seemed like we never
Get it? All right, we got the 90s. Yeah, the 90s. So, um, yeah, from I, – I said, you know, I didn't think the 80s was the greatest decade for music, and I think that that probably fed over into the early 90s for me, uh, as well as the fact, you know, I was doing the, the classic – um, sort of mid thirties. I, I got married. Um, my son Callum was born in 1990. You know, work was rewarding, but really challenging and working silly hours. So, um, probably for the only time in my life, music got pushed a bit to the back just through lack of time. But then there was, a, there was a couple of things that were a sort of catalyst to really getting back into it. Um, ironically, one was, you know, I got a new job. I joined Microsoft, but actually the thing was, I had a really long drive to the office, uh, and so I uh, invested in a sort of top-end system for the car, and that got me back into hi-fi, and that got me back into listening to music seriously. The other thing was, you know, again, and I know I keep going back to the UK, but that's my perspective. You know, this thing called Britpop arrived around about 94, and we had the the Oasis um, blur uh, sort of shootout of who was going to be the most popular and it was just like the Beatles and the Stones um, and the irony is that I ended up being a much bigger Blur and Damon Albarn fan than I was of Oasis but there was a period I guess end of 95 early 96 where wherever you went in the UK I remember you know going to to business conferences and Oasis would be playing. You know, you walk down the street, Oasis would be playing. And you mentioned before, Jesse, about, you know, those family nights when people are coming round and all of that. The the image that sticks in my head was it was one of my nieces, uh, Cara. It was her 18th birthday. So I was able to go back and check the date. It was June 4th, 1996. And there's this big family party, it's in a village hall, and the DJ plays Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. And I remember standing there and looking, and, you know, five-year-old children were singing. My dad was singing. Everybody was singing that chorus. Um, and for, as I say, for about six months, it, re it really did feel like sort of the Beatles were back, but there was no one in the UK who didn't know who Oasis were, and there was no one who didn't know that song or Wonderwall. Um, so whilst I'm not actually a massive fan of the band, back to those rules we talked about earlier on, this will always be, for me, the sort of ultimate 90s song. That is greatness. I agree. Um, let's hear a little bit of it.
things that I'm going to put my old man, you know, persona on. In today's music world, we all have so much segmented. Um, There is a serious XM channel for anything I feel like listening to. In fact, we rotate through different channels at my job. And I can listen to, uh, you know, my phone has... Um, sometimes I love to hit shuffle, just I never know what I'm going to get. But you also could just, I want to hear a Bruce show. You know, I want to hear Brian Wilson. I want to hear Jason Isbell. You don't get that where you turned on the radio and you never know what you're going to get. Correct. And everyone knew those songs. And so I think that's a perfect example of you talking about the feeling of that we're all kind of combined together. So lovely story. My 90s, I almost broke my rule and had another song from an artist, but um, I, I decided, no, um, it's okay to go with the original. Um, the song One by U2. Uh, Johnny Cash has done an, did an amazing cover of it. Yes, he did. With his, um, you know, his American recordings were just uh, really special. Um, I, um, there are there are songs I listen to that just make me um, dance. You know, when I talked about. Um, on Perfect Pop, you know, a Barry White song. Yeah. The lyrics really don't mean anything. It's just I'm just enjoying. Um, but there's other songs that speak to me and, and hear me. And one is a song that I, I love. And the, you know, we have to carry each other. Um, and I I believe that. I believe that we should be here for each other. And so... You know, kind of one, kind of with love and mercy together, kind of talk about what I want the world to be and what I, what kind of life I try to live. So the 90s, I picked uh, one by you two. Nice choice. Thanks. Here we go. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You're saying, won't love, won't life when it's one need in the night. Taste in your mouth You act like you 
Okay. Hey, we're getting close. We only got a couple <laughs> left. All right. So now we're at the aughts. The aughts, the noughts, yeah. or whatever. Um, so this was this was an interesting one because if it was just a musical choice, and I guess that's one of the themes for me that's come out of this conversation is there's music and then there's all those connections and, and everything. If it was just a musical choice, then it would have to be something from Wilco because for me, they were my band of the, the noughts or the aughts. Um, and just for completeness, the track would be Impossible Germany. However... Um, the most significant thing that happened to me in this decade was that on August 2nd, 2008, I got married to my lovely wife, Laura. Um, and the song I've chosen should have been the song that she walked down the aisle to. Uh, she actually walked down the aisle to First Day of My Life by Bright Eyes, which I thought was a pretty good choice. Uh, and the reason she didn't walk down the aisle to this song is we literally discovered it on our honeymoon. Um, and the song is called Starlings. And the band is a... British band, uh, yet again, Jesse from the North, um, um, but a band called Elbow. And um, there are a number of reasons why this would have been the perfect sort of wedding song, because um, it includes the lines, I sat you down and told you how the truest love that's ever found is for oneself. You pulled apart my theory with a weary and disinterested sigh. I swear Laura and I had that conversation, literally. Um, it also has the line, uh, the, I think the brilliant line, you're the only thing in any room you're ever in, um, which I've always thought if you were looking, if you were looking to write a one line love poem, that's probably pretty good. That and then, is really beautiful. Isn't it? Fun? Well, but this is where you get that northern sort of humor that comes in, because the final thing is that there is, let's just say there's a noticeable age gap between Laura and I. And so... It actually reads this way. You are the only thing in any room you're ever in. I'm stubborn, selfish and too old. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we are convinced that Guy Garvey wrote this song, um, this song for us. And to go back to my video theme um, and this album, by the way, there's another song called One Day Like This. Because it was another one. Of, it's another one of those songs that just united people. But um Elbow were invited by the BBC Concert Orchestra uh, to play the album live with them at Abbey Road Studios. Um, and I would recommend it to anyone. 45 minutes of just sheer genius. And, you know, Guy Garvey talks at the start. He says, um, Glenn Miller played in this all, you know, the Beatles and people. Oh, you've heard of them. So there's this very northern Bolton accent. And then he opens his mouth and this beautiful voice comes out. So, um Highly recommended and not needless to say, a very special song for, for me and my wife. Here we go. How dare the Premier ignore my invitations He'll have to go So to the bunchy luncheons with its second on my list of things to do At the top is stopping by your place of work and acting like I haven't dreamed of you and I And marriage in an orange grove You are the only thing in any room you're ever in 
I'm stubborn, selfish and too old ever found is for oneself You pulled apart my theory with a weary and disinterested sigh So yes I guess I'm asking you to back a horse that's good for glue and nothing else But find a man that's true then Find a man that needs you more is for my son and um, Chris went through a stage where he loved Metallica he still has a great love of hip hop and but he he went to school in East Texas and there is a pretty serious country uh, feeling there and uh, he picked up liking some music and then I had discovered an a singer songwriter uh, that was very active in country music called Brad Paisley um, Brad is um, a wonderful guitarist he writes some great songs along with you know other songwriters and there was a time when Chris's freshman year in college he'd kind of screwed up a little bit I won't go into the details. He was depressed. His mom was very angry at him. And Chris kind of felt like at 19, his life was over. Not in a, oh, I need to go kill myself, but yeah. just in, you know, depressed. I played Brad Paisley's Letter to Me. And if you don't know the song, it is exactly what it seems. He is singing about if I could write a letter to me and send it back in time to myself at 17. Oh, wow. And he says, toward the end of the song, you've got so much up ahead. You'll make new friends. You should see your kids and wife. And I'll end by saying, have no fear. These are nowhere near the best years of your life. <laughs> and he got through it. He is now a uh, wonderful 29-year-old man. He is um, doing absolutely amazing at his job. He has a wonderful fiancé. They are planning their wedding next summer. And after 
we've had a few beverages. Usually when I'm driving him home, he will pull up letter to me and he'll start crying and yeah. he'll hug me. And um, so for Chris Jackson, um, letter to me by Brad Paisley. Here you go. At the stop sign at Tomlinson and 8th Always stop completely well, Don't just tap your brakes And when you get a date with Bridget Make sure the tank is full On second thought, forget it That one turns out kinda cool Each and every time you have a fight She spends so much extra time It's like she sees the diamond underneath And she's polishing you till you shine Oh, you got so much going for you Going right, but I know At 17 it's hard to see past Friday night Tonight's the bonfire rally But you're staying home instead Cause if you fail algebra, mom and dad will kill you dead. But trust me, you'll squeak by and get a seat. And you're still around to write this letter to me. But you got so much up ahead. All right. Fantastic See, I, story, Joe. Fantastic. Thank you. I, you know. I can get emotional, but you already knew that about me, Terry. <laughs> we both can. <laughs> yes, we can. And um, and I think that's the beauty of this. Um, I could have picked, and and we'll go to our last song shortly. But I, you know, I I could have picked, like, I almost picked Sam Cooke's "A Change Is Gonna Come" because that's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. And and I had other songs that I could have picked that I just adored. And I, of course, to make it a little different, I wanted to share, as I said, this is my musical autobiography based on songs that kind of tell about myself. No, that's I, I love I love what you've done with it. That's brilliant. Right. Absolutely brilliant. All right. So your final song. So my final song. Not the final song ever. No, in, absolutely. In, you know, in a couple of years, we'll do a follow up. because We'll have a new one. It's OK. <laughs> So, um, well, I guess before before I say the the, the final choice, now, and I referred to this earlier about you know, and, and you've also said it, Jesse. We've got a, we've got access to so much music these days. Um, but one of the things that annoys me, and I have to say, it tends to be males, and it tends to be males of all sort of vintage. Um, you use the phrase beverage before. They'll typically have a beverage in their hand and they will then tell you that there's actually been no decent music made since 1982. Um, And it really annoys me because I actually passionately believe that there's as much, if not more, good music around now than, than ever. You know, I can tell you that Robert Plant's band the other night, some people will say this heresy, played far better than the two times I saw Zeppelin. Um, So... You know, that that is an annoyance for me. And what I wanted to do in sort of my last choice, and again, there was lots of options. You mentioned Jason Isbell before. You know, I think he's one of the greatest songwriters to come out in the last his, few years. His, Just stunning. 
his Nashville this this past album just amazing. Oh yeah. Um so um Vampires almost made my list. But um the song I've chosen is is actually um Red Eyes by War on Drugs. Um and the reason is that it's for me it's a song and it's a band who they have a really distinctive sound. I think it absolutely sounds now but there's also in a good way there's an awful lot of the last 50 years of music in there uh so it it felt like um it felt like a good way of to use a springsteen it felt summational you know it felt like it pulled things together and um i use a piece of software called rune to manage all my music and play stuff and they have reviews on there and i i loved this quote which was summoning summoning up the patron saints of fm radio rock the band is an update to the wild-eyed sermons of Dylan and Springsteen and the summer night abandoned Tom Petty perfected, all filtered through walls of indie guitar noise and an edgy depravity all of their own. I just think that's brilliant. Oh, that um, is brilliant. So I think a bit like War on Drugs music, you know, flowery, flamboyant, a bit pretentious, but big, ambitious, creative music. And I'm always going to be a sucker for that, so... War on Drugs. All right, here we go. Awesome. So the question is, is he going to go through a whole list without picking a Springsteen song? <laughs> and the answer is no. Uh, okay. Now, this one I cheated a little bit. Technically, Land of Hope and Dreams was released in the late 90s during the tour, the yep. reunion tour. However, its official release was on Wrecking Ball. It was indeed. Which was 20, you know, which was in the uh, 2012. And um, I have said very many times that my two favorite Bruce Springsteen songs um, are Better Days and Land of Open Dreams. And then the third one changes every day. Yep. Um, and I gave a lot of thought to 90s being um, Better Days. 
but um, there is just something about the song, and it makes my heart sore every time I start hearing that sound. And um, there are things that go on with your life. And by the way, I played this on that trip back to college with Chris Jackson. Um, I will provide for you and I'll stand by your side. You'll need a good companion for this part of the ride. Leave behind your sorrows. Let this day be the last. Tomorrow there'll be sunshine and all this darkness past. I just think that today and every day, you know, the idea of let's shoot for a better future, let's put aside the our past and our sorrows. Um, so I had to end with that one because Love and Mercy won Land of Hope and Dreams. If I had a manifesto of what I wanted my life to be, that trilogy would at least be what I'm trying to shoot for. songs um i did not make any plans but i thought i'd ask you is there i i do did you have any close that you thought about that you hated to not pick oh there was i mean the agonizing over uh, over the song selection has been has been awful but i think that's 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 part of the process and you know if i look at how many revisions i've done since i kicked this off but I now know, not least because we've now committed it to, I was going to say tape, but whatever, yeah. whatever digital media. Um, and 
I feel, you know, if you take uh, so Oasis in the 90s, that was a late edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel really good about that because I think it really does um, sum up, you know, that decade for me. Um, I actually had one of the guys that came around a couple of weeks ago. He chose Ramble On as his 60s song by Zeppelin. And I looked and went, oh, silly boy, it's obviously the 70s. And then I went and checked and realized he was right. So I had to change that selection. Um but no, I, I mean, my, my my comment would be this is I, I'm not going to pretend that this was in my head when I came up with the format. But you've just proven in this in this hour, it's a great way to have a dialogue with people and to find out things. And I mean, the, the one story I, I would like to finish with is a friend of mine, Chris. Uh, he was actually the last person to come around and do this. And his 80s choice was the Pixies. And we started talking about how did you find music? And he grew up in Minnesota. Uh, he grew up, you know, in a farm. He was in the middle of nowhere. He didn't have access to music. And the only two things he had was he could get a subscription to Rolling Stone magazine. And his dad, as my dad did, had a subscription to the Columbia Record Club. And what Chris used to do as a 15-year-old was look at the college gigs and charts and if any of the names in there were available on Columbia, he'd persuade his dad to buy him the album, never having heard it. That is <laughs> and, awesome. And by the way, you know, he then says, so that's how I found the Pixies, R.E.M., the Smiths. And um, and I just thought that was a brilliant story about sort of music and what people do and, and, and nice to find out about people because, you know, I didn't really know about his background in Minnesota. It's not something we talked about at work, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I um, hope, hopefully if we can take this forward, it's a good way for, for people to learn about each other. Uh, yeah, I totally agree, Terry. You know, um, Desert Island Discs is a yeah. similar format, um, yeah. and um, and I find that interesting because it is, um, you know, not only the Bruce episode but Tom Hanks and other people. I've heard them talk, and it really does give you a chance to kind of share their life. Um, and I love the idea of the decade. Um, you know, and originally when I started doing this, like I Mac the Knife was always going to make the cut because <laughs> 1959, there was a limited amount of songs, you know, but I had, you know, the Shirelles will love me tomorrow. Johnny Cash, yeah. Ring of Fire, um, Al Green, Let's Stay Together, you know, just songs I love that I never get tired of. And the more I thought about it, I went, no, I, I, I want this to say something about me. Yeah. Um, and it isn't it isn't the right way to do it. It's just the way I chose to do it. So this is where we go to our listeners. Did you guys like this? Um, let us know because we I think this would be a fun change of pace episode, a uh, different way to kind of share your background. Also, an idea to share other music. Um, so you can reach out to us at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. Uh, I am on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is at setlessingbruce on Twitter. Uh, Terry, if they want to reach you. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Terry Scrabble, and my email is terrysmi uh, at hotmail.com. Good. So let us know what you think. Um, I did want to share the wonderful comment uh, the compliment you got 
from one of our best listeners, a uh, very dedicated. Um, she she said that your Mary question was the best answer ever. <laughs> that made my day, I have to say. <laughs> yes, and um, I, I agree. I thought that was just so perfect that they wanted to do that, and and she took the time to share. Um, yeah, it was just so lovely. Um, any final thoughts? No, I've just I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I let's see what the feedback is. But uh, I hope we can do more because it's great fun. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, we just need a volunteer to do this. We're uh, we're ready. Um, but for now, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Um, and we hope your decades are filled with wonderful music. Talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.